Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello, it's great to be with you. Today, I am grateful to introduce our guest, Kristen Emerson, to the podcast. Kristen is a social worker and the founder of Breaking Light Counseling. So Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here today. I remember talking to Kristen during the beginning phases of the pandemic, in which she gave me her professional opinion that she said, you know what, I think we're going to be dealing with the aftermath of the pandemic three years from now. And when she first said that, I, on one hand, respected her professional opinion, but I was in denial. I'm like, no, Kristen, it's not going to be three years from now. And yet here we are at the beginning of 2023. And I think that she was really spot on with her insights. My opinion is that as a society, as we've been experiencing these waves of grief and loss, we haven't really had the time, space, or even language to process what we've been through. And so we're seeing increased burnout in all sorts of a variety of industries, people starting to tune into the fact that, okay, yeah, we do need some resources. We do need some self-care. We do need to figure out how to make our way forward. And so let me just start off by asking you, Kristen, like, what are you seeing from your perspective and your line of work, given this backdrop that I offered this morning? People are not doing well. My specific area is grief. And surprise, there has been so much grief everywhere. And one way to summarize it is that anytime there's a change, there typically is a loss. And anytime there is a loss, there typically is grief. And so circling that all together, we've had so many changes in the past few years. Some of them are death specific, which is bereavement. But then they haven't had the normal rituals like funerals or having the support of a person face to face. And then it's hard to assimilate into older teens after these newer losses. And so even though the bulk of the pandemic is behind us, it's definitely left a residue. And so I see that there's just challenges everywhere. Like you were saying, there's a lot of burnout, especially in the helping professions like teachers or faith leaders or healthcare. I also see it for the lack of employee retention for different industries. There's like an increase of mental illness and delays in child development. So I think all that really means is that we don't have too many tools or coping strategies to be moving forward, given what we've been through. And I think even like our culture can try to be optimistic of, oh, let's embrace like an attitude of gratitude, but it's missing something. It's like we're bypassing our need to acknowledge like it's been tough. I think that leaves us like people are yearning for their pain to be acknowledged and they're like searching for hope. And spoiler alert, that's like the heart of lament. The one thing I will add on to that, I do think a positive aspect is that our culture is talking about loss and grief in new ways, which ultimately is healthy because loss and grief, those are natural aspects of life. You had mentioned bereavement and loss that way. I'm wondering what you might think about. If I think of my own story, I think still all this time later, the kids' homework is like a particular sort of trigger. So we had kids that I needed to work one-on-one with for a long period of time. So there's like multiples too. So I'd spend time here and then spend time there and then come back. And then sometimes they all wanted me and I couldn't give so much. And then my my actual work that I was doing for money mm-hmm. was like delayed until late in the afternoon. And then I would work until just before bed and it was like that. So lots and lots of work that strikes me as a trigger point, right? Maybe some sort of emotion that is stuck in the body and <laughs> 
and the need to be able to approach homework differently. Does that play into this as well? Yeah, I think there's certain elements of loss that is really concrete. And so, for instance, the death of a person is really black and white. Someone is alive or they've died. And that is just really straightforward. But I think one of the complexities of the pandemic, we've had lots of ambiguous losses. And so one element to build off what you're saying, Christina, is the loss of regular routines or the certain systems and processes that had worked for a household or a school to run smoothly or a workplace. All those systems were disrupted. And that's where I don't think we've had much language or validation to acknowledge. There's also been losses on that. And there's naturally a time of like transition and trying to figure out new ways. And I often would say to my team, the longer this goes, the more we have to keep adapting. And so I think in your household, the systems or the processes are continue to adapt. And that gets exhausting if we have to keep doing it because we want to reach some new equilibrium or something that's straightforward. And in some ways we have, we're used to our new normal, but there's still yeah, some of the element in the body. And I think in my bereavement world, we often use the phrase cumulative grief. And that word cumulative, like it's been adding up. It's more than one or two changes. It's more than one or two stressors. It's been piled on and piled on. And so the heap of changes or grief is really big. So the smallest thing might set us off. And it wasn't always about that one small thing in the moment. It's because we've been having to adapt and adjust for years now. And that takes a toll. That's very interesting. And I think something that emerges for me, Kristen, is this idea of lament being absent from particularly American faith traditions, right? Lament is, I think, something 40% of all Psalms are removed from our hymnals. And so therefore, we're creating, whenever we don't lament in our faith traditions, we have a short memory. And so therefore, Lamenting with people is probably about sitting with them in their pain. And we don't really want to do that because we're so used to trumpeting our successes and our triumphs. And I see that from a faith tradition, but is that also evident in the business and secular world where we don't want to sit with people in their pain? We just want to talk about successes and things like that. Yeah, you're so wise because there are a lot of psalms that have the framework of a lament and our culture doesn't sit in suffering very well. It's uncomfortable. We want to do things. We want to fix things. We want the short-term solution as fast as possible. And a lot of times suffering, whether it is personal or more institutional, like we have to be facing it for a longer period. There is no quick fix for when there's a true heartbreak or a really profound loss. And I do think that some of the faith traditions can offer a lot in this. It has been neglected in American church culture. I will give the caveat, I'm speaking as a white person and a lot of the more traditional perspectives have not been doing lament well. But when I look to other cultures, especially the African-American churches in this country, they do lament better. Like, unfortunately, it's because they've had a lot more to lament about and have had to develop more tools. And so I think in moments where we have a yearning for it, if you're on the hunt looking for it, you can find it, but it might mean looking for different traditions. There's actually a a really good new book focused on this called Voices of Lament, Reflections on Brokenness and Hope 
in a world longing for justice. And that just acknowledges like different voices of color. And there's such a depth and richness in the way that they structure. Okay, when life is currently hard, we do need to take a time out and look historically where have we seen God's faithfulness? What are other things about God's character that we understand, even if we don't quite see it right now? And how can we cling to some of those truths that have been, that we've seen and experienced before? How can we cling to those to help us through this current hardship? So those are a couple of thoughts about that. And I wonder, given the fact that we're naming that lament is pretty unfamiliar to most of us, how would you help someone who's maybe curious about this and recognizing, yeah, there is unprocessed grief and loss and the cumulative effect that you're naming both personally. And I think, again, we're experiencing it in our institutions. What are some on-ramps towards this practice and how you might help us with that? Yeah, I have a couple different phases of this. So I will start with some. (laughs) A lament can be a spiritual practice or a prayer when life doesn't make sense. It's like when we can't reconcile with what we're facing, with what we believe to be true. And so it's if our heart is hurting and we're wrestling with a paradox, like we're sitting in this pain of suffering and brokenness, but we do believe there's like this promise of God's goodness, but those two just don't seem to be adding up at the same time. And so there might be just such a mixture of like pain and doubt and frustration or questions, but trying to look for some trust or hope. And this is what is modeled in the Psalms and it can be called lament. So it's like a prayer language of trying to process pain for God's people. Often it has been written by people who are hurting for people who are hurting. I've used a lot of my, or I've been growing in this by understanding a book of Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And the subtitle is Discovering the Grace of Lament by Martin Rogup. And I've gotten a chance to talk about it in community. And so here's one main definition from that book that resonates with me. He was quoting somebody named Stacey Gletty-Smith. A lament honestly and specifically names a situation or circumstance that is painful, wrong, or unjust. In other words, a circumstance that does not align with God's character and therefore does not make sense within God's kingdom. So I've been growing and trying to understand this. There are a couple of practical ways that I've been exploring this, but in general, that's like the backdrop of how I've been growing to understand lament from a spiritual perspective. And I appreciate that you're naming its paradoxes that we encounter. So it's not necessarily the black and white, someone died and I have to grieve and lament, but there's all these unknown and more ambiguous paradoxes and griefs and losses that you're naming. So I really appreciate that being in the conversation because I think it broadens it up. Because I think sometimes when we think, oh, lament, grief, that's not me. I check out of that conversation, but I think you're opening it up to, yeah, it probably is touching you, but we're just not going there, if that's fair to say. Yeah. And I think for me right now, it's like, we're trying to be straightforward. Here's lament. Here's a definition. But for my personal story, that's not how I experienced it. That one thing from my personal experience is that my heart was yearning for this before I even knew what it was. So five years ago, I was facing burnout as a professional helper and it was just tough. I was in a dark place and I needed some spiritual context that acknowledged like the brokenness and the suffering and like the lowest of the lows. Because honestly, that's what I face in my work, being so close to death stories. But then I also was looking for a bigger hope. I was looking for that. And it turns out that is lament. So I think I want to also encourage, it doesn't have to be formalized. It might just be listening to what does your heart really need? And so for me, I actually even changed the church I attended because I needed that in my worship setting where both the lowest of the lows were acknowledged, but also that bigger hope. I like 
fell into it. It isn't that I like set out one day to find it or be taught it. My heart was yearning for this practice. So I'm thinking practically at the moment, especially as you're talking about like, oh, I moved churches, which I think reminded me of my interests that have grown over time, specifically on things like Good Friday, right? I need a moment to actually be sad and not to just skip it. And don't really worry about being sad because tomorrow's coming. But practically speaking, it reminds me, you know, when the pandemic even started, I think we started off strong. Like we had this whole moment where the kids were going to be off and they were going to go back and then they didn't go back. And so we gave voice like we allowed all the kids to talk about what are you excited about? What are you not excited about? But then I think we actually shortchanged it. I think we didn't keep the practice going. We just hunkered in eventually. And so I wonder, practically speaking, we mentioned the Psalms, but are how do people maintain that? Oh, yes, this is a practice. It's important for me to engage it. Do you have ideas about that? From my clinical perspective, I often equipped families, especially with teenagers, just to do the good old fashioned, like low and a high from your day or from your week and just giving that small space to acknowledge. Yeah, some parts of the day or the week have been hard of just doing a check in of what the low or something tough that's happened, the challenge and the high of something that we can celebrate. So sometimes having like smaller rhythms like that for households or small groups can be helpful. I think some liturgies naturally incorporate it if you're paying attention. And so leaning into that, if it's there, I think also people can be creative and figure out how does it look for you? If you're having a really tough day, sometimes we need elements to help us feel better, but sometimes we need to give ourselves permission to have some wallowing, to acknowledge that it's really tough or to stop and name our feelings. And people can be really creative with that. I really appreciate you naming that we can learn from different cultures. And one of the things that comes to mind is a lot of times I think we keep grief up here in our head and it isn't a bodily experience that we have other than crying. And I recall when I was a teenager going with my grandparents to a Native American experience where there was this dance and they were dancing and they were crying out in this dance. And I remember asking my grandpa, it had several different dances. There was happy dances and then there were sad dances. But the sad dance, asking my grandfather, what is that about? And he told me it was a song of sadness. And it was this whole body experience, right? Rather than this uh, cerebral experience where I just maybe will sit and cry. But and then later on in my life, I remember lamenting the loss of a relationship. And the thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to have a dance. I wanted to like get it out of my body as a release. But I think we're not really encouraged to have those options as a way of releasing. I know some people shout, some people, but what are ways that you're encouraging people to have these whole body experiences in lament? Yeah, I love that because truly loss affects our whole being, our mind, body, spirit, and we have to tend to each of those areas to process it. One of the basics in my work world, I talk a lot about that grief can be defined as the thoughts and feelings inside after a loss. And then mourning is when we actively take what's inside and get it out. And so in something really concrete like a death that often is like through a funeral and shaping the funeral that we take. We have a place to channel that. But I think with all the ambiguous losses of the pandemic, 
we haven't had that direction for what kind of rituals could we do about all the big changes we've had. I often say people grieve how they live. And so, Chris, the experience that you had was that dance was part of that culture and they had that as a tool and that gave direction. It was natural for their being. I think I would hope that people can find a way to lament that's in their own language. So perhaps you love music. You could curate a new playlist focused on lament. Or I know one musician who wrote a song after the death of a family member. And for her, that was an embodied lament prayer that connected the pain in her soul to God. Sometimes for me, I can be very analytical at times, but I've tried to reach into the more creative side. So I do some basic art therapy and I doodle and come up with different metaphors about different phases. And that has helped me to have a creative outlet for it, to switch gears outside of the brain. And ultimately, the goal of any expression is to foster healing and to create space and to validate it and to get it out. And one thing I've benefited from lament is it ultimately brings some of that lightness that I came into the practice feeling really heavy, but it really can be lighter. And so I think that is one byproduct, like our bodies feel the release and that can be really powerful. So I think that's something worth paying attention to. And Kristen, I wonder, I know we've been naming our individual personal households. I wonder if we can circle back at the beginning, naming burnout and institutions. And so I wonder if you have any wisdom to offer institutionally in our spheres of influence, our places of vocation, some practices or things that we could be mindful of in those situations. Sure. I do think that institutions reflect their people and leaders have a unique opportunity to care for their staff. I'm sure that they want to offer support, but don't always know how to do it. So I do think sometimes it is doing a few more practices or webinars or staff meeting. And I would hope that people can create space to acknowledge what's been tough and to also provide some tools. Again, I think people need the validation that it's been tough. So it is tough. It is tricky because there might be webinars about self-care. And I think it's gotten oversimplified. Go and take a bubble bath or go to the gym. And those things are true and good. And they, our bodies need those things as one element of self-care. But what I care about is like the deeper processing aspects of self-care. How are you being changed as a person because of the stress in your job or this huge crisis in an institution that you're a part of? So I hope that there's spaces for that on a really practical level. I recently spoke to a group of church deacons where the pastor brought me in to teach them how to process some of their own pain that we've all been through in transitions that the church has gone through, but then also to help them feel more equipped to walk alongside people who are hurting, to give them more tools. Because once you start looking for it, it's everywhere. And ultimately, I hope that leaders can help their team feel more or get more equipped for their own processing and also to guide other people. Sometimes it's more, it's like going back to the basics of like good people management of just a personal check-in, not just the to-do list to build that relationship. There's been such disconnections relationally in these last few years that I think that can be a special place to start fostering meetings in a way that 
make sure that we emphasize connection instead of just the to-do list to compensate for some of the social deficits of these last few years. That's really important. And maybe if I can just give a plug for Kristen, she does do speaking engagements for professionals. And so I know you've spoken at with healthcare professionals, educators, et cetera. And so if I can give a plug at Breaking Light Counseling, and you can reach out to Kristen there to learn more about her work. Any final thoughts from anyone with Kristen today? Or Kristen, any final thoughts that you want to leave with our listeners? One more thing came to mind for the institutional. I think that we could have opportunities to have rituals. If somebody has a birthday, we have a birthday cake and we sing happy birthday. That I think if there are some successes or some really big challenges, I think to develop rituals is a, something from the bereavement world that I think could be added more. So that's one extra element. I do appreciate that. I feel like so much of what we're saying, we haven't utilized the word setting an intention. I guess that's a phrase, but we haven't specifically said that. But a lot of it is just being intentional as opposed to, oh, I'll wait until maybe to Chris's point, somebody starts crying and is totally broken down. But to acknowledge it's there and to be able to get it out. And I love what you said about in your own language. That feels really key and important to me. I think in some ways we can overcomplicate things. And if I'm honest, like my true lament prayer sounds like this. Help! And there can be more structure. Like the book that I was referencing, Dark Clouds Deep Mercy, has a great structure that has really helped me because I like a checklist and that's my language. Step, step. But it doesn't have to be fancy and we can pour out our complaints but also ask God for things. And then there also can be this gentle silence where God might bring a certain truth or hope that you could cling to when you're trying to say, the world doesn't make sense. Here's all the hard things. But you know what? I do believe about God's goodness or his faithfulness or that he is present. Whatever brings you comfort, I think that can be really special to look for. Kristen, thank you so much. And we will have a link to the different references and books that she referred to in the show notes. But thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. It was great to be here. And now is the part of our podcast where we talk about what we are into this week. So what are we into, folks? I am into a Christmas present I got a little while back. So I had been working with someone once who showed me this mug that they had that kept their coffee or their tea or whatever at the same temperature. And I had mentioned it to my husband. He was like, oh, how dumb and unnecessary. And I was like, yeah, but I always, we just did a whole podcast, right? And my beverage would be getting cool. And then when you go back to it, it's cold. It's not what it was. And now thanks to my temperature controlled mug, I can finish this podcast and take a drink. It will be exactly the same temperature as it was when we began, which is this little joy in my life. It's this gift and it gives back several times a day. So I'm very grateful for that. High bar, Christina Kaiser. <laughs> that is a high bar for sure. As I sit here with my lukewarm beverage, I am into middle school sports and I did not play sports as a kid. And our second child now is um, we've gone through one whole cycle of middle school and now we're in the middle of the second. And I just really appreciate seeing like year over year, the girls get taller and get more confident in their skills. And there's just such a beauty about this age, middle school age. It can be awkward, but it's also just really beautiful in a time of 
such transformation. And so I've just really been enjoying, we're currently in basketball season. We rotate through all the different sports and just really enjoying middle school sports. Well, I too have a coffee mug that it keeps my coffee warm for the whole podcast and longer. You just have to put a lid on it and keep it insulated. That's, that is a little bit of a downside, but that is not what I'm into. We are getting prepared to receive a couple of exchange students. And so I was getting a room ready and I found a book that I haven't seen in a long time. And it's U2 by U2. And I've gotten this book out and me and my oldest child, we have just been devouring U2 and all the amazing things that have spanned the generations by U2. So I'm into U2 by U2. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, make it a great week. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week. Thank you.